Welcome back. We're at episode two and my next guest is Mia Jarrett. Mia is a life coach and has 30 years of experience in health and fitness and entrepreneurship. She brings all of this to her coaching skills. She's also an author, a longtime medical exercise specialist, and a personal trainer. She's an adaptive holistic nutritionalist, a philanthropist, and a highly sought after public speaker. I've known Mia many years, probably dating back to the early 90s. Mia, in fact, was my teacher, trainer, training me to be a personal fitness trainer. I owe a lot of my spunk and vitality to leading my fitness and yoga classes because of her enthusiasm that Mia is well known for in her profession. And as she says, she likes to hand out a hefty dose of humor and play. But don't get me wrong, this gal demonstrates and stands for integrity, flexibility, consistency, and above all else, fearlessness. She is firmly rooted in her concepts of change, reinvention, creation, and peace. All these qualities that we're going to chat about in today's podcast. So stick around. Mia, welcome. Thank you. So in our initial call in which I pitched the podcast to you, you gave me some sage advice, some really deep insight into entrepreneurship and being a crusader this year by stating things like lose the fear in order to reinvent and reinvent and then reinvent some more. So elaborate on what it means to let go a piece of your identity and in doing so being able to reinvent. Well, it's, it's super interesting. Um, it's a super interesting conversation to have. Um, I feel like as women, especially, I mean, I, I'm going to speak as a Gen X woman. Um, we are taught from a very young age to fill a, many, many different roles. And those roles become the identity by which we navigate the world and we live our life. And those roles become attached to both identity and ego. And I know at this point in time in the world, ego has become a really um, popular co uh, conversation, topic of conversation. And I think the thing that's so important to understand about ego is that it, the ego is created in order for us to survive the insanity of this world that we live in. So ego is really armor. It's, it's a protective mechanism by which we navigate the world. And the roles that we play are so closely attached to our ego. Now, it's so interesting when I'm talking to people, that's one of the things that we really work on in coaching is um, looking at the ego and our ego specifically. And the thing that's most important to understand is that our ego isn't something that's wrong, bad, broken, needs to be fixed, needs to, you need to get rid of it. What it, the thing that's important to understand about ego is to become the observer of it. So you can identify when in times in life, I actually need my ego to protect me right now, or when it's just friggin' driving the bus and it's derailing you every single time. And I think when people are able to um, identify or observe the ego and use it in a way that benefits them, then they start moving themselves out of the way of fear 
And the fear is the thing that keeps people in that comfort zone, even if that comfort zone is super uncomfortable and keeps them from the process of reinvention. So that reinvention, the ability to reinvent starts with just saying, fuck it. I don't care. I don't care if I fail. I, I mean, the gold right. is in the process, right? The gold mm -hmm. is in the learning all along. I have failed more times than I've succeeded in life. And man, I wouldn't change a thing because I have learned so much from reinvention and reinvention and reinvention. And um, I'm proud of it. You know, I can look back over the years and go, yeah, someone will say, oh, Mia, do you remember that time you did that? I'm like, Christ, no, I don't remember that. Did I do that? Huh, fun. That was super fun. I guess that was fun. So yeah, the, I would say reinvention and ego are really interesting concept to look at. And I, I would say that people that are that fear change and reinvention are so closely um, protected by their ego. Mm -hmm. And it's so, so self-limiting. Oh, yes, it is. You know, and I love that response right off the bat when I was was reading your responses. And it's such a powerful observation, but a difficult one to to make. And the truth is so many of us struggle with this, even when we think we OK, that failures behind me. I'm on the right path. And then that bloody ego gets in the way. And it, you know, it, I think of this quote in one of my favorite all-time books, the Bhagavad Gita, those who have no mastery over the ego will find it difficult to control the mind, but those who practice non-attachment relentlessly will prevail. Mm -hmm. This is probably some of the most sage advice as a life coach you could probably give your clients and for the world to hear right now, and you alluded to that, the world today post 2020 coming into a new year and we're still saying my god have we not learned the lessons but it's going to take some time so um yeah so though this is this is the the person we need to be the one that's ready to reinvent to find the the higher self um and as you said fear is that trap yeah um yeah and and the thing with the ego, sorry, I just wanted to add is I just, yes. really, I think it's really important for people to understand and to um, just to, yeah, just to understand that the ego isn't something that's bad, broken, or needs to be fixed. It needs to be reined in and observed. Okay. Yeah. Because there's so many people that I work with and that I talk to that, 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 that is their process. They're trying to get rid of their ego. And it's like, yeah, your ego is actually there for a reason. It protected you from the time you were four years old all the way up through life. It's just become, the armor's just become so thick. You can't see, you, that, that is the lens you see the world through. Um, but that ego, the only thing that has an ego on the planet is a human being, right? There's nothing else. It's a human experience that we create in our mind through our experiences of life. Right. So the ego isn't something, well, maybe Donald Trump might need to get <laughs> How many minutes into it? We yes. dropped his name. <laughs> Sorry, not. Um, but yeah, the ego is something that uh, if you can observe it and rein it in, it can actually be very, very useful. I do this really cool exercise with every single client where we go through thirty-six different character traits of the ego, and I don't tell them what they're what this what it is I'm doing at the time. I just simply have them write down thirty-six character traits. And if they, if that character trait sort of resonates with them, or they see that in themselves, they're to put a tick mark beside it as I'm, as I'm listing them off. And we go through, it usually takes about 
10 or 15 minutes to get through them all. And then I have them count how many of them, you know, are, are kind of show up in their personality. And most people are 70% or more. And that's when I ask them, so what do those character traits, what do you think, if you could give those character traits one name, what would it be? And people go like loser, idiot, or whatever it happens to be. Really? Yeah. So then I give every one of those an antidote. So they, so people have the, the opportunity to start looking at ego just as character traits, right? And then recognizing that, hey, wait a second, there's an antidote to every one of them. Like just, let's just say busy mind busy mind. So the antidote to busy mind is quiet mind, which is an awareness state. So I'll have them just pick a character trait for that week. What's one egoic character trait you just want to bring to the forefront. And for that week, you're just going to kind of work towards the antidote, just see what happens. And it just gives them their sort of the first taste at um, understanding how the ego shows up for them. Okay. And bite-sized chunks so that they yeah. can manage and it. Just, and it's also, diff- it also takes the, you know, the need to, because people are so hard on themselves, right? That's just another thing that's wrong with me. It's not, it's just something that's there to protect you. You know, and that reminds me of um, a book that you mentioned, and we're going to get into this later on the podcast. So stick around listeners. Um, but the idea, and this was in that the books, The Conversation with God. And I hadn't read those books. And so I, I went and listened to the sample on Audible <laughs> for all the books, <laughs> speed reading. <laughs> but what, <laughs> what stuck with me the most, I've, I've actually put it on cue cards now. So to delineate from what you were saying about the ego, ego is not necessarily all that bad. What doesn't serve us is fear and guilt are the only enemies of man, quote unquote. On the other hand, love and awareness are our true friends. Wow. Wow. These are the things that we have to, yeah, instead of beating ourselves up all the time, saying I did. We're we're so good at that. (laughs) Own worst enemy. Gold star. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about 2020 now in the rearview mirror. But did you have one of those aha moments like, oh, my God, uh, I, I need to make a change or reinvent or that didn't serve me. Tell me about something in 2020. Yeah, um, it's interesting when 2020, when we rolled into 2020, I had said from day one, 2020 is going to be the year of clarity and hindsight because 2020 is clarity and it is hindsight. And Holy Christ, right? Um, so yes, I had a, a, a very unfortunate aha moment in 2020 that actually had nothing to do with COVID. Um, for me, COVID was in many ways a gift because I believe so strongly that Mother Earth is trying so hard to get us to pay attention and we're not paying attention. So she's like, damn it, this is how mm. I'm going to attention. So for me, COVID was, a, was almost a... Um, something that I kind of embraced because it allowed me to just sit back and just breathe, right? Like, I, like the world is shut down. You can just slow down, Mia. You can just like chill. You can just take a step back and reevaluate, you know, what, what do you want for this next chapter of life? And interestingly, through that process, I had a, like a really shitty situation happen within my family, which is very, very close. And um, what I learned which I probably should have known, 
what I learned was that I have two sets of values that I navigate the world with. My, my core values, which are integrity and leadership and kindness. Um, and I have a different set of values for my family. I compromise everything to ensure that the family unit is okay. An Xer. Yep. I'm the matriarch. I'm the people pleaser. I'm the cruise ship director. I'm the I'm the pacifier. I'm the are you okayer? I'm the whatever. And it finally bit me in the ass. Um, in a way that was just horrible. I was accused of something that not only did I not say, I wasn't even there. And it, it wasn't my immediate family, it was a like a other person. In <laughs> and what I realized is, and that has happened to me many, many times over the years with this person. What I realized was, wow, you fucking bend over and take it with the, for your family. And you won't do that for anyone else on the planet. You will never, lower your standards for anyone else. And what I realized is that when you have healthy boundaries, it means everywhere in life. And the healthy boundaries for me was the thing that really smacked me in the head. It was just like, Mia, you can't, you can't have two sets of values. One that nav you navigate the world with and one that you lower in order to navigate your family. And the interesting thing is when I made the stand and said, no more, this will not happen ever again. I, I'm stepping away. Um, I found peace. Incredible. And that goes right back to the ability to observe, to yeah. observe ourselves outside of the situation and take stock of the reaction that we're having in the situation, which are some of the key principles of yoga itself. Uh, as we know, it's that union, union with the inner self and the outer self. Yeah. So 2020, and I, I really agree with you, and I think so many of our listeners will, it was that year of clarity and hindsight and to slow down, put things in that proper perspective. Again, and, and this is something that really resonated with me so well. Um, and just having those little moments, those aha moments and be able to share that experience Say, this is just life and it's real and even you as a life coach have going through those moments yeah. and yet you're able to take that experience as a high highly functioning professional and use that to your advantage as you teach and lead others mm -hmm. and so even though it wasn't a question I kind of prompted you with in advance I do want to see though how the 2020 year unfolded for your profession did coaching desires grow or did it diminish Absolutely. Um, well, I had kind of two facets to my coaching um, business. So I have a, um, a limited amount of one-to-one, -one, which is all done online. So in many ways that didn't change, but I had also created um, the Inspire Gathering for Women called The Voice of Choice. And that was a um, an, an inspired gathering once a month that had a theme and women would all come together and I would have four voice ambassadors share their story based on that theme. So whether it was uh, relationships, whether it was menopause, whether it was um, loss, whatever it happened to be, greatest moments. 
I would have these voice ambassadors share their story. Their stories would usually be about 45 minutes long and they would stand up in front of the room. And then I would do a breakout coaching session on that um, story and try to give people at least 10 coaching skills from each story. And there were, there were we would work together and we'd have group little group sessions and stuff like that. And, any, and, a, and a lot of public speaking, all of that went sideways completely disappeared, like gone. I did a lot of um, online speaking, but for me, the energy is just not the same. The energy in the, like, I love the energy in the room. I love watching the people come together and support each other. I love being able to see and feel that, like I can literally feel that energy. So I made the difficult decision that I'm gonna step away from all of that and, and I'm not gonna bring it back to life uh, when COVID starts to, you know, literally be in the rear view mirror. Um, coaching definitely slowed down because people's income was suspended. Mm -hmm. So for me, I took that as, I, I always feel like the universe is taking me. I took that as um, the universe saying, um, yeah, me and our, our. <laughs> yeah, you know what? What do you think about the idea of just not doing anything for a few months? Because I can't do anything for one day, let alone a few months. So I decided I would listen to the universe and just like chill. Good for you. Yeah. And now uh, that I have a grandbaby. Yes. I've seen those beautiful pictures of your grandbaby on Instagram. And it's hard to believe looking at you every day and in the physique you're in that you could possibly be a grandmother. I'm a grandma. And I'm a proud one. <laughs> I'm a pretty proud one, um, which I'm just going to share really quickly with you about my yes. go with hand in hand with reinvention and with the aha. So one of the things I've always wanted to do was um, have an urban farm stand. And my husband and I had looked for property uh, last year and it just, it just nothing was resonating. So I decided about three months ago, why can't I have an urban farm stand in Comox? So I started doing some research. Oh yeah, you can do that. Good. You can really do that. So We've gutted our backyard and um, I'm putting in a whole bunch of stuff in the backyard and I've got an urban beautiful stand being built for me. And it's gonna be called the pumpkin spice hut because my little oh. grandbaby's nickname is the pumpkin spice because she's a little ginger. And I'm gonna teach her everything there is to know about life through, the, through that garden. Patience, fertilizing the right things, the soil you grow in, hard work, being outside. Wonderful. So that's my reinvention is I'm going to continue my one-on-one -on -one coaching, but I'm actually going to slowly transition primarily into this urban stand, which is going to be like flowers, vegetables, and seasonal crafts and food. Good for you. Yeah, it's Always thinking, thinking outside the box. So I like to say I'm the urban farm mindset and change coach. <laughs> How's that for mouthful? <laughs> Your business card is going to be like three times yeah. the width of an own business card. <laughs> Just put acronyms. I, I'm going to go back to the point that you made about the, uh, the voice of choice and gathering women to share a story and me being a storyteller, which is what one of my favorite things of all times to do as a communicator is just tell that story, but start digging into the layers to find out what truly makes the person who they are. And that is their authenticity. So I'm going to talk about your backstory. Take our listeners back to a time in your life that helped shape who you are today. 
It's a great question. And it's, it's not one I could have answered before I did my coach training. Interestingly, I learned, I learned the answer to that through the power of the coach training that I did because you had to dig and 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 dig. So being the daughter of, I like to say a nomadic RCMP member because my dad wanted to see the wildest and craziest parts of Canada. He didn't want anything mainstream. So from a very young age, we lived, you know, all over the place at Clavick and Nubit, Fort Liard, Fort Simpson, Whitehorse twice, Chatwin, Cornell, all over Saskatchewan, Alberta, you name it. Yeah. And every two years we moved. And so you, I was always the person on the outside coming in. And we all know what that's like if you've moved and had to go to a new school and especially through those formative years. Mm -hmm. So I was always the kid on the outside. I was always the one that was never um, really a part of anything. I was never accepted. I was never included. I was never asked to be a part of. I was never, I was bullied. You know, I mean, I'm learning, starting to learn that probably everyone was bullied to some extent, but you know, bullying look, it has all different forms to it. Um, and I, and I was always, I was just the kid on the periphery. And it was tough because I was always very good at everything I did, which is, and I don't say that, I, I say that because I, I know I was a very good student. I was a very good athlete. I was, art was my, my big thing. And I dummied everything down. Like I turned the volume down on everything because I already stood out. I already wasn't accepted. I already was on the outside. I already was the kid that no one wanted sort of a part of anything. Oh, so I yeah. learned very early on that you just, if you dim your light, if you're just like, Shh, then it's not quite so bad. But the coolest thing is that I learned all my strongest character traits from that experience. And I mean, that was literally from kindergarten to high to grade 12. Um, I learned independence and I learned resilience and I learned kindness and I learned inclusion and I learned compassion and I learned observation and I learned to um, forgive and accept and love. And I don't know that I would have learned, I don't know if those character traits are just part of who I was or if they were learned, if they were nature or nurture um, based on that experience as a kid. And so then at what point did you say, I'm done dimming my light? It's time to let it shine. Oh, like 50? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, um, I would say probably when I separated, I would say the, like the real start was when I separated from, when I separated from my husband, when I made that decision, you know what, I'm done living that life where I'm kind of shrinking to fit into a, a, you know, a space that I actually don't fit into anymore. And so that would have been, I would have been 47, but I think that I was in the process of like pushing the boundaries. I just didn't know what I was doing. I had no concept of what I was doing. Um, so I would say that I really started to spread my wings when I, when I left my first husband. And, and interestingly, I always felt in that relationship that I was too much of everything. I was too happy. I was, too um, responsible. I was too uh, healthy. You know, I was too much, just like as a kid, I had to dim everything down. And I just woke up one day and I was just like, you know what? 
this this is not who I am meant to be. This yes. is not who I am meant to be. And the courage that it takes to not only realize it, but then to act upon it mm. and stay committed to that that decision. That's incredible courage. Yeah. It's a nice way that leads me into the next question from the book, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do and I, by Amy Morin. And I chose that because I've known you for a long time. And to me, you've always been mentally strong. So the 13 things, and I'm going to list them for our listeners here. Waste, so high, highly strong people, I say highly functioning professionals don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves shy away from change check <laughs> focus on things they can't control worry about pleasing everyone fear taking calculated risks dwell on the past make the same mistake over and over resent other people's success give up after the first failure fear alone time feel the world owes them something and expect immediate results. So just to remember, to um, reiterate, strong people don't do any of those 13 things. So I asked you, which of those resonated? Go ahead, give us your answer. None. <laughs> none of them. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? <laughs> She's no, saying. None of them. They, they're just not, none of them are, they have nothing to do with me. No part of my fabric of my being, except people pleasing within my family. In other words, sometimes I don't sit in the pocket long enough to get the results that I expect I should get because they didn't come quick enough. I'm on to the next thing. But I'm going to take that with me moving forward um, to fit in the pocket. Even this pocket that I'm in right now where it's complete and utter uncertainty, which is perfectly okay. I think your garden is going to be a big lesson for you too, because it takes time to harvest your plants and reap the fruits of your labor. Yes. yes. And I have no control over um, like the sun and the rain. And all I have control over is my little, whether or not my little <laughs> grandbaby is going to pour vinegar or, or like round up or something, you know? Um, so the garden, I feel like the garden is going to teach me so much as well as Kiera, for one of the things being patience. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, it's funny how we manifest our thoughts into dreams and desires. And the universe does respond if we sit in that pocket long enough to let it. I think the universe has been saying, Mia, whoa, slow down. Give us a chance. But now the universe is saying, okay, honey, here's your garden. Yeah, exactly. Patience. That's yeah. the name of a flower, isn't it? Impatience, patience. It is too. It is too. <laughs> and that's why I feel like for me, COVID in many ways is a blessing because I had to slow down. This the the learning is in the journey. It's oh, the experience. It, all yeah. the gold, every single piece of gold that you will acquire in your lifetime will be in the journey. It won't mm. be the account. Yes. You know, there's this beautiful quote. It's a Spotify original from Parcast and it's called Daily Quote. Imagine that. It was from uh, Jumpa Lahira. And she says from her book, The Lowland, most people trusted in the future, assuming that their preferred version of it would unfold. 
blindly planning for envisioning things that weren't the case. This was the working of the will. This was what gave the world purpose and direction, not what was there, but was what was not. Which what she's trying to say is that the journey is not necessarily getting it, but it's all the planting of the seeds to reap the rewards or harvest at the end. And so naturally we are drawn to chase after things which completes this vision of ourselves for ourselves. In mm -hmm. essence, keep focusing on the dream, the purpose, regardless of the outcome. Segues nicely into this next question. What gives you purpose and drives you forward? So a couple things around that that, are, um, that I'd like to share. One is that I actually truly believe that we all have the exact same purpose on this planet. A lot of people are going to go, She's crazy. Um, she might be <laughs> a little bit. Um, I think we all have the exact same purpose on this planet. And that purpose is to wake up and step into and own the greatness of who we are, who we were the day we were born into, and um, learn to be something other than what we are. I truly believe that is the purpose of every human being on the planet is to find their way back to who it is they truly are. The little person that came out of the womb, perfect and whole, fat, naked, and happy. I think the thing that's different from person to person is the vehicle that we use to take that greatness out into the world. So for you, a podcast, for me, maybe it's a garden, for someone else, it might be music, for someone else, it might be writing a book, I don't know what it is. For someone else, it's Habitat for Humanity. For someone, it's being the best mother they can possibly be to four children. It doesn't matter what the vehicle is. I truly believe that our purpose is to step into and own the greatness of who we are. And for me, um, one of those things is integrity. Um, I believe that for me, what does integrity mean? I mean, you could ask that question to a thousand people, you get a thousand different responses. For me, integrity is waking up and going to sleep the exact same human being without compromising anything. And how do I measure it? Because how someone measures integrity might be one person does, it's going to be different than how someone else measures integrity. Mm -hmm. And So for me, how I measure integrity is each morning I wake up, I want to make the greatest and the smallest impact on the planet I possibly can. So the greatest impact being on another human being or an animal or mother earth or what, you know, upcycling or recycling or being cognizant of everything that way. And, and the smallest imprint would be things like recycling and upcycling and, and, you know, being a responsible shopper and all those kinds of things. So that for me, integrity, is the driving force. That's the thing that will always sort of be my beacon of light if I get sort of lost in the dark, so to speak. Um, and I think everybody has, I can see potential in every human being that I come in contact with, even when they can't see it in themselves. And I just, that would be my wish for everyone on this planet is that they could find their way back to the greatness of who they are. Oh, so powerful which probably makes you exceptionally sought after in your coaching profession, just to be that compassionate guide for others. 
Yeah, I, I can feel it. I feel as though, yeah, if I'm getting lost, I want my Mia beacon right in front of me <laughs> to guide me back home because just the delivery, let alone what you, the skill sets you bring is That's just so, so reassuring. Because of course my acronym for my name is missing in action. So I don't think <laughs> All right, flashcards. It's flashcards time. I give a word and you give me some right. kind of a description. You tell me a little bit of something. We might just go off on a tangent with one of those words or not. Let's just see, see what happens. Word number one, authenticity. Overused. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I feel like, again, <laughs> it's sort of attached to, um, for me, I feel like it's attached to purpose. Like if you can find, step into and own the greatness of who you are and really just own your shit, be the authentic version of yourself, the same fat, naked, happy person that you came into the world, um, you will navigate this world with joy and peace. I have a daily mantra and it goes, is this the best version of me in this moment? So it doesn't matter if I'm physically doing something or mentally doing something, you know, the, the Buddhist mantra, right thought, right speech, right action. In everything that I do, I try to catch myself. Is this the best version of me at this moment in time? Is this really the best version of me? And I think that is as authentic as I can be. I'm flawed and imperfect, just like every other human being on the planet. Um, and I see that. And I see that I'm constantly trying to be the best version of me. How has having a mantra and what we do say to others to develop a mantra helped you through a pandemic or, or any kind of upheaval that might happen in our personal lives or professional lives, maybe both, or to the world around us? Yeah. How does that mantra? Well, I've only had a mantra for three days, so I can't. <laughs> no. um, I feel like a mantra or whatever you want to call it might be a different term for, for someone else. Um, it's a guidepost, right? That could be your mantra. It might be just a word. It might be a, a, a picture. It might be a flower. It might be your picture of your child. It doesn't matter what it is. But that thing, that guidepost that will always remind yeah. you what direction like a little talisman or a talisman, talisman or yeah, visual reference. Beautiful. All right. Well, next word, empowerment. Empowerment. Overused word. <laughs> God, I gotta make a new list. That's it. <laughs> um, okay. So my version of empowerment goes like this. And I have a funny story to go with this. Um, so there's kind of three levels of power, power from power with and power over. And power over is kind of like Donald Trump. And well, it's yeah, yeah. It's like tell yourself, you will, this is how I'm doing the truly am disempowering. Power with is when it's kind of collaborative, like when you're inviting someone to the table with you and saying, I can't quite figure this out. Do you think between the two of us we can make this work? We can figure this out, we can find a solution. Kind of power with. Um, but the most powerful form of power is the power with, the power within, that power that you were born with, that you're trying to find your way back to. When we were fat, naked, happy babies. And it's the power that we learn to give away and to compromise and to hide and to abandon and to dim and to turn down and to suppress. Yeah. And it's, I mean, Gen X women, we're the ones that are starting to discover that we have all this power with, that lives within us that we have been compromising. 
Empowerment is when you are able to stand outside and recognize how much of your power you've given away and, and then take it back and never give it away again. I yes. think that's empower, for me, that's what empowerment is. Yeah. So empower boundaries. Yeah. The boundaries. Exactly. The boundaries. And I feel like women are, um, you know, collectively we're like becoming this massive wave, this force that is going to start changing the way the world communicates, shares and collaborates. Connecting in a sense of community, working together. Yeah. 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 Actually, can I share something really quick with you? I wasn't definitely just kind of, I wrote a manifesto around what I feel like women are trying to achieve right now. It goes perfectly with what you just shared. And it, it goes like this. Uh, I called it the thought leaders manifesto or Mia-festo actually. (laughs) A thought leader is ready to let go of the past by stepping out of the box. She no longer fits in. She values action, courage, wisdom, collaboration. She's free from judgment, excuses, blaming, and competition with her sisters. She will no longer be paralyzed by her fears, silenced by her thinking, stuck in her stories. She collaborates, supports, shares. She grows wings with her sisters. She straightens their crowns. She wipes their tears. A thought leader uses her voice to tap into her greatness and shares her purpose with the world. She is unstoppable. And I believe that is basically what you are tapping into with your podcast. That girl is on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Own it. Yes. Book it, baby. Book it. Alicia Keys moment. They they happen often in my house. Oh, and I love her. (laughs) You know, that list, I'm going to go back to that list. Amy Morin's list. I mean, you are, you are so mentally strong that you got to check in the box on all of them because you don't give away your power. You don't worry about pleasing everyone. You don't dwell in the past. These are all the wonderful things. These are the qualities that when I, when I saw this, I thought, you know, there are certain women in this world who just get it. They don't let any, they don't do any of these things. And so when you said none of those resonate with you, I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, no, everything you're telling me, you you definitely are winning it on this one. You don't do any of those things. Yeah, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily a, um, I, 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 I'm not necessarily, like I wouldn't say that that makes me different or special. I just think based on the way I was brought up, there was mm-hmm. no time, I was like a moss with a rolling, you know, like there was no moss that was gonna be attached to me. I was just like, cause I was constantly adapting, having to adapt constantly changing if I would have fallen into a pit of fear I I would never have survived my childhood you know great analogy no growing moss on my fat happy baby butt that's right (laughs) that's the name of your next book (laughs) oh actually I like that title (laughs) writing that down writing that one down I love talking about books and I'm going to do a lot quite a bit I've got two more words for you um goal setting Yeah, I have a kind of a different philosophy around goal setting. For me, I find goal setting is a moving target for most people. And it's also something that dents their already dented um, armor or their their bruised self-esteem, you know, whatever you want to call it. Because I I feel like goals are something that are set because you're not good enough already. They're very finite. 
Um, and of course, there's something that people do on January 1st when it usually has to do with weight or smoking or money or whatever, you know, whatever it happens to be. So I, I kind of have a little bit of a different philosophy in that I get that people are wanting to improve and reach for things. So I, the way I sort of like to approach that with, with myself first and foremost, and then with clients is, is we create future projects. I would challenge someone to set an intention rather than a goal and an intention such as I will respect my body in a way that I have never respected it before. And that's it. Boom. Yeah. You start respecting your body in a way you've never respected it before. You're going to put what's supposed to be put in there. You're going to, you're going to go out and you're going to do something that you love to do for exercise. You're not going to buy into Fitbits and, and Lululemon. And, you know, I'm, I'm just picking those terms, but, but you know what I mean? Like super mainstream. True. If your intention, if you can set an intention, the actions naturally declare themselves the goal is the end state but the intention is lays the pathway for the journey to be taken yeah it's the process yeah. and the future project might be the destination mm -hmm. but the most important thing is the intention and intentions are infinite whereas goals are finite I have this really cool thing that I love to do with people and it's a fear journal rather than a <clears throat> um rather than a gratitude journal. I love gratitude journals, but one day about six months ago or eight months ago when I was working with a client and she was working on her gratitude journal, I was thinking to myself, how to fear journal. And every single day you're gonna write down one to three things that you're afraid to do that you will accomplish by the end of the day. And that is a pretty cool way to test the boundaries of your courage. And fear can be super small. I'm gonna say yes when really I wanna say no. Mm -hmm. so that could be the fear thing that you write down on that day. I'm going to answer that text. I'm going to apply for that job. I'm going to wear pink. <laughs> Whatever it happens to be. But it'd be really cool if everyone had a fear journal and a gratitude journal going at the same time. Yes. Can you imagine if you did something scary and uncomfortable every single day, how, how comfortable you'd get with being uncomfortable and how much easier it would be for you to allow fear to come on the journey with you? Yes. Eleanor Roosevelt used to say that. Do something that scares you every day of your life. And you know, I'm petrified of outhouses, but I still use them if I have. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also petrified of open water, but I've done triathlon. So it leads me to believe that in my past life, I drowned in an outhouse. Yeah. <laughs> And that's why I'm so deathly afraid of out. I will literally pee behind the outhouse. There's an interesting backstory on that one. And I'm going to bring you back in season two and we'll continue. <laughs> and we'll read through your fear journal. <laughs> speaking about, oh no, before we go on to speaking about some of our great favorite reads, the best last word I have for you is motherhood. Yay. I only have one child because I stopped with perfection. Is there anything more to say? <laughs> no I'm just kidding uh well no I'm not no yes I am um I say motherhood for me is my greatest gift and my greatest accomplishment and I love being a mother because I think I'm more a student than a teacher as a mother and have been since day one with with my little uh, man he's taught me so much 
So for me, motherhood is the greatest gift and the greatest accomplishment of my yeah. life. Yeah, I love that. So let's move on to my favorite part is talking about books. Books. Share with me your favorite reads, maybe this year, last year of all time. So my answer to that is, is um, a little bit convoluted because I, I have read so many books and I have so many that I love, mm -hmm. but two of my all time favorites for pleasure and education. One is um, Leading with Soul. I don't, have you ever, have you read it? Very similar. Yeah. By um, Lee G. Bohm and Terrence Deal. Yes. Yeah. Very similar to another book um, about uh, tying spirituality with the workplace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that they did it in the form of a story. Mm -hmm. It was just brilliant. And then The Long Walk to Freedom was one of my favorites as well. And that was the Nelson Mandela story. Oh, yeah. um, the Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, I just loved. And I loved it when he was in Nova Scotia, of course. Wasted and edu educated was educated was mind boggling uh, with uh, Tara Westover. Now, converse, I, I listed conversations with God and three cups of tea as my, you know, um, educational and entertainment conversations with God. I had to read as part of my coach training and I fought it. I fought it. There was no way I was going to read it because I had a really un. I had a difficult relate. I have a difficult relationship with religion because it was kind of forced, forced on me from a very young age. So I read that as I have to read this religious book called Conversations with God, and I, I fought that. And when I finally sat down, I bought the wrong one. I bought the three pack version of the trilogy. It was one of the best reads ever. Yes, it was so fantastic. Yes, because it was like God was saying, "You guys." get your shit together. That's not what I said. And that's how I, that's basically what I took from the whole book. You humans, that's not what I said. I, uh, I loved all of your book choices. I really did. Um, uh, and, but the one, of course, the very first one you mentioned, so drawn to this because it reminds me of a similar book and it's by Jack Hawley. He's a well-known author of the Bhagavad Gita, a book I mentioned earlier but the walkthrough for Westerners. So he takes the literal Bhagavad Gita and he puts it in Western terminology. But he, so what he did is he combined his years and years of experiences traveling throughout India and he brought it with his Western style of understanding management. And he wrote the book, Reawakening the Spirits and Work, The Power of Dharmic Management. And there's a similarity between the book Leading with Soul and this one, and that um, it's, is that Holly propenses that we all have a yearning for some kind of spirituality, rooted quality, and we want to bring those qualities into the work, integrity, character, inspiration, belief, and even reverence. These are qualities that are key factors in an, in an enterprise's success or an entrepreneurial spirit, I say. So um, Holly provides a direct response to the widespread desire for spirituality at work, except still one of those things that people know not really talk about. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm just like at work is doing my yoga poses right in the middle of the hallway. I don't care. I'm showing my dharmic energy. <laughs> but what he does is Jack shows us a practical vision of, of how you can infuse this with, with work, this dharma energy, which he, he says um, is a deep integrity, which blends the spirit with character and human values and decency. Mm -hmm. 
do you ever seem, do you find there's a common theme with those choices of books? And do you, like, do they sort of overlap? Like we, your choices for pleasure reading kind of spill over and overlap into what you bring into your coaching. I would say like, I love biographies um, and autobiographies of people who have risen above the situation. Me too. Mm -hmm. I love those kind of stories. But yeah, I really love to read about people who overcome adversity and um, are able to embrace the greatness of who they are, actually, now that you say that. And then, of course, for, um, for education, it could be anything in the coaching spiritual realm. It could be about dreams. It could be about leadership. It could be about brain talk. Mm. It, could be, um, it could be anything in that, in that realm. Incredible. But I would say yes, like I don't very often deviate way out over here and like read a Harlequin romance or something like that. For me, like for my Princess Wasteland emotional guardian, she wouldn't sit long enough to read a book like that. But that doesn't mean someone else can't because I mean, or shouldn't. It just, for me, it doesn't, it doesn't do me anything. This has been an incredible conversation sharing books and just values, core values that get, got you through 2020 and will see you through far into the future. Yeah. Garden and all of your other dreams and aspirations and good intentions for 2021 for sure yeah. it's been a pleasure MIA <laughs> oh. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you're up to next and uh, poking in on your latest journey through with your garden I keep checking in on you on Instagram and I saw the beautiful pictures of the flowers just a little hint of what was to come so I thought well there she goes again reinventing herself yeah. which is all we need to do. We all need to do that. Take that, take that pause two, three and yeah. sit in that pocket and just breathe. Absolutely. And don't, and you know, reinvention doesn't have to be big. No, it can be a hair color. It can be yeah, a podcast. It can be a podcast. <laughs> it can be a you know, really, truly reinvention doesn't have to be big. It just has to have meaning that aligns with your values. Amen. Great way to end right there. Thank you for having me, Mary. This was a great, I love deep conversations. So thank you. You are most welcome. I am thrilled that you signed on and said, yes, you asked me what's going to set you apart from any other podcast. And I said, well, let's just plant the seeds and see what harvests in this new year. <laughs> Twenty twenty one is said to be a year of great transformation, inner transformation. But what does that really mean to transform? We can all use the Mia Jarrett's of the world, coaching us through a transformation journey. These highly evolved individuals are a gift to the planet, to humankind. In truth, they are more than just a life coach. They are a spirit coach, helping us find our way back home to the higher divine self. You can find Mia Jarrett online at miajarrett.com. That's M-I-A-J-E-R-R-I-T-T.com. I'm your host, Mary Lee. If you like this podcast, go ahead and share it. It's the best compliment you can ever pay me. And if you're listening on Spotify, click the three dots next to the title, scroll down, select your sharing option. Unfacts is an original podcast about COVID crusaders entrepreneurs and professionals of all industries who have braved 2020, staying focused on who they are, 
what they do and why they do it. Connect with me. I'd like to share your story because at MGG Inc., our business is telling your business.